and welcome to Game Sense, brought to you by Rookie Me Central. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and joining me today for a special NAB League Girls edition of the show is former host, AFLW draft editor, Michael Alvaro. Michael, uh, thanks for joining me. I know it's probably a one-time deal, but uh, yeah, you got to see the games this weekend, so you get into the expert chair. Yeah, I don't know about a one-time deal. I um, I can sort of double as an expert, but it's good to be back in this seat after a few car crash uh, incidents as host. Yeah, that's uh, that's the unofficial uh, way that we've gone about this anyway. Um, so anyway, we will move on uh, to the round in question, which was round five. We're midway through the Nabley Girls season, so it's an exciting time. We had another six games in action, and we're going to run you through all the results and then take a look at some of the outstanding performances across the board before previewing, of course, the next round of action. Kicking off round five of action was, of course, a Friday night clash between Eastern Rangers and Oakley Chargers at Kilsyth. It was the Eastern Rangers that got the job done by a pretty hefty 62 points to remain undefeated and head into this round with the all-undefeated clash with Danny Dong Stingrays, who, of course, had the bye. Uh, aside from that result, all the away teams got up, which was a, a bit of a surprise. Uh, although, in terms of the, the winners, they were the ones that probably would have gone in favourites in their respective games. So, starting from the top, Geelong Falcons won by 40 points over the GWV Rebels. They kicked 11-4-70, very accurate score, to 4-6-30. The Tasmania Devils defeated the Northern Knights by 26 points, 6-7-43 to 2-5-17. The Calder Cannons got up in a thriller over Murray Bush Rangers. I know that was a very close uh, game, although the Cannons had the ascendancy early and the Bush Rangers charged home, but they won by the six points, 7-4-46 to 6-4-40. And then the Western Jets, after being behind at quarter time, took control against the Sandringham Dragons to boot 8-3-51 uh, to win at Trevor Barker Oval. The Dragons scored 3-8-26, so the Jets won by 25 points. And then, of course, in the final game of the round out at Churchill, Bendigo Pioneers got back on the winner's list with a 73-point victory over Gippsland Power to keep them winless thus far. The Pioneers 15-9-99 to the Gippsland Power 4-2-26. Michael, were there any real surprises in that lot and uh, what was your favourite game? Um, I think in terms of surprises, Calder getting up over Murray was one, especially on the road, a pretty tr uh, tough road trip there up to... Um, Corowa, I believe, so not easy, um, but they did really well to come away with that six-point win. I think I was a little surprised, even with the talent out for Oakley, that Eastern pumped them so heavily. Um, you know, 10 goals over the reigning premiers, no mean feat, um, and somewhat the Western Jets beating Sandringham. They're in really good form, um, but I think they were much stronger than Sandy, um, and the scoreline suggested that in the end. Uh, in terms of my favourite game, that last one was it. Um, we'll probably talk about it a bit later, but that midfield battle was outstanding um, and, and well worth um, my time. Great to hear. So moving on to the standout performers, uh, you sort of alluded to there with the Eastern Oakley game. Uh, Oakley were missing a couple of players, uh, Jazz Fleming, Charlotte Taylor, to name a, a couple uh, from that midfield particularly. Uh, but one player who played for Easton was Bridget D. Now, uh, after that performance, Hawthorne coach Beck Goddard came down to the ground and actually gave the good news that uh, Bridget D would be the first Hawthorne signing for the uh, AFLW club coming into the competition, of course, 2023. So we've talked a bit about her on this podcast, but Michael, give us a bit of a rundown into, I guess, her performance and, and her season as a whole and, and what Hawks fans can expect from her. Yeah, I mean, we've said before that she's probably just a class above the NAB League level and um, she's a player who, as that 
19-year-old, the overager, she's gone back and really improved on some of her deficiencies. So um, now she's a, a pretty punchy left foot kick. It's not an outstanding attribute, but it, it certainly works for her. Um, but her best assets are on the inside. So she's averaged eight, oh, 32 disposals, 18 of them contested with seven clearances and eight tackles. So at the contest, she's been dominant this year. Um, really clean hands and, and just really thrives at being able to compete and, and just winning the ball and setting her side on the front foot. So she's been pretty much unstoppable really this season. Um, probably one of the top two or three form players of the competition and, and well deserving of uh, higher honours which she's received now. Absolutely. It's uh, quite always fascinating to see who is the first one signed to each of the AFLW clubs and of course she'll go down in history as that first signing so congratulations to her and of course the Eastern Rangers will be pumped for their captain to step up uh, to that next level and of course VFLW potentially in the meantime. Uh, Moving on to the next sort of talking point uh, our player of the week this week was Tasmanian Georgia Clark now uh, she's a bottom major a tall forward uh, you know Marked a fair bit of the ball, looked pretty good. Give us a bit of a rundown into how she performed uh, during the Devils' win over the Knights. Well, to put it um, in short, she performed very well. Um, She was pretty ominous up forward in tandem with Bella Parker up there. They were probably a little bit too big and strong for the Northern defenders, um, but they took full toll. So she kicked four goals, four of the six, um, and then Parker kicked two there obviously for the Devils, but she she led up really well, presented beautifully on the lead. Um, uh, probably her best attribute are her hands, so a really really clean marker overhead. She's pretty athletic as well, and um, and can do it at ground level. So she followed up, um, but I really like the way she comes out on the lead, can mark and then convert her chances. So she kicked four straight. Was cl- uh, a standout really for Player of the Week, given she got the ball 21 times, took about uh, eight marks, and and then kicked those goals. So a really exciting performance for her and, and the Devils who. Um, are probably pushing there for that last final spot in the country pool. Yeah, certainly. And, and we know that there were several others that really stood out too throughout the week. Um, I mean, starting off with two of the smaller players in the competition, we know that I, I, I love when a smaller player is able to get plenty of runs on the board, maybe kick a couple of goals. And uh, a few of them on the weekend were, of course, Northern Knights, Ava Jordan and Bendigo Pioneers, Lila Keck. So, Michael, um, give us, I guess, a bit of a rundown into the, how they performed and um, their seasons, what people can expect from them. Yeah, as much as we love the powerhouses, those small crafty players are always a, a real delight to watch as well. Ava Jordan is probably as naturally skilled as you'll find a footballer at her age. So she's a bottom major, as is Keck, who we'll talk about now as well. But um, even in the loss, she had 31 touches, which is, I believe, her best for the season and um, really was a lone hand in that midfield for the Knights. She just... Kept on getting first hands to the ball. She's super clean, but really smart as well. So she knows where the space is. She knows where her teammates are. She always repeat runs. So she'll get one twos and and just work to the outside. She's probably not as quick as some other players, but um, the head on her shoulders really sort of elevates her game. And then Keck, I mean, what an exciting player she is. Probably more athletically gifted um, than Jordan and, and a little more crafty up forward. So, um, yeah, she kicks goals on both feet. She's just she moves so well, knows where to, you know, position at the fall of the ball and, and is able to sort of get dangerous inside 50. So she was really, really impressive for Bendigo. 20-odd touches, three goals for them in, in a big win. So, um, yeah, another impressive player. And those bottom ages are just, um, yeah, unreal. Can't wait to watch more of them in the future. Absolutely. And uh, one of the midfield battles that no doubt was highly touted coming into uh, the round, and you got to see it firsthand, was Western Jets up against Sandringham Dragons. And of course, Charlotte Baskerin and 
uh, Montana Ham going up against Sophia Hurley and Bridie Hipwell. They're all sort of touted as top 20 prospects and, and for some of them, no doubt, top 10, certainly the Western pair. Um, give us a bit of a thoughts on, I guess, how they performed against each other, who won the battle and uh, what you took out of the contest. Yeah, I mean, Sandringham's engine room is arguably a little deeper. So they've obviously got Sophia Hurley, excuse me, Sophia Hurley, Bridie Hipwell, then Keely Coyne and Alice Shibaris. So they've got a little bit running through there. Um, Western Jets, you obviously look at the pair of Baskerin and Ham and, and their powerhouses. They're absolutely unbelievable. Um, and were clear standouts on the day as well. Baskerin, obviously the skipper, um, has added goals to her game and, and got one in the last quarter to put the cherry on top, but she was just dominant and um, probably pardon the phrase, but Montana Ham was taking the PI double five as well. So um, those two are absolutely outstanding. Ham's obviously just so powerful and that midfield that they've got just works so well in combination. Um, so Montana Ham at the contest, she'll fire out a handball to her runners um, when Baskerin's not winning the contestable first. So um, they, they really got on top and, and helped Weston get the win there. Sophia Hurley probably looked a little frustrated and bereft of confidence early on, but we know she competes really well and ended up getting her tackling game going and, and she won 24 possessions in the end, so ended up having a pretty good day. Bridie Hippel, I thought, was actually better up forward. I uh, was looking forward to seeing her potentially against Ham, but um, her, her overhead marking and improved kicking um, were, were pretty good on the weekend. Killy Coyne, Probably Sandringham's best throughout the four quarters. Um, pretty smooth mover. And Alice Shiver is a solid body on the inside as well. Um, they all had pretty good games, but that midfield battle, as we alluded to before, even when you were reading out the results there, Pete, um, yeah, really, really good to watch. And I implore anyone, um, if you're going to go back and, and watch a game from the weekend, that one is one that um, would probably be high on the list just for the quality in the engine room. Yeah, certainly. And it was a pretty important game too because obviously both a part of the Metro pool and both at that stage were on eight points, a, a couple of wins. So that really elevated Western up a notch uh, ahead of Sandringham, which is what we're sort of going to run into now. We've got a couple of, we're going to look at the two pools, the country and the Metro pool and maybe get your thoughts on where it sits and, and some of the pl uh, teams that might be able to force their way into the finals. Uh, we do know the finals are different to last season. Of course, last season we sort of had the top four from each pool. So there are only a couple that missed out. Um, where this year it's only the top two, so it's a lot more competitive for spots. Uh, so from the country pool at the moment, at the midway point of the season, Dandenong Stingrays are on top with, of course, that massive percentage of 354.29%. Uh, they've, of course, won all their four games and, and really dominated the whole, the whole season. Uh, next up is Geelong Falcons, who have won four games since losing the Stingrays in round one. They're sitting second, but of course they've played an extra game, so they've got a buy going to come up at some stage. Uh, the Tasmania Devils, of course, are part of the Vic Country pool, then come next with 12 points. Uh, again, they've looked pretty good, and their two losses to Oakley and Sandringham early certainly were no disrespect. They had a, a really close contest in both of those, so they could very easily be undefeated. Then we have Bendigo and Murray with the two wins apiece. Bendigo just ahead of Murray on percentage, although both are pretty healthy. Uh, followed by the GWV Rebels on four points. Their only win coming against the winless Gippsland Power um, down in seventh. Uh, Michael, I guess mathematically you would think that there's only really the two teams you can completely cross off for the final at the moment, GWV and Gippsland, although it is a pretty danger time for Bendigo and Murray. How do you sort of see this pool shaping up and who's your sort of tip to maybe make those finals? 
Yeah, I mean, Dandenong's probably the lock at this stage. I think Tasmania is the second best team. I know Geelong, they keep on winning and full credit to them. They, they just know how to do it. Um, I think the experience in their team has really elevated them um, this year. Once that uh, potentially goes into the VFLW, they may fall off. But, um, you know, we've doubted them before and, you know, they've got four wins. So um, they'll be up there. I think Tasmania, though, is the second best team. Bendigo and Murray, um, be interesting to see how far they can go because I really like how both teams play. Murray probably had a bit of a shock loss on the weekend, might prove costly for him. Um, and Bendigo, they, they just play a nice style of footy. So um, they'll be enjoyable to watch regardless of whether they get into the, the top two. Um, and then as you say, JWV and, and Gippsland obviously haven't gotten the wins on the board to this stage. So it's going to be really tough for them. But um, yeah, it, to recap, Dandenong and Tassie would probably be my tip if I had to at this stage. Certainly, and I think for me, uh, you've sort of got those three at the top. Uh, you look at the Metro Conference, I think it's a little more even because after round one, we thought it was going to be potentially Sandringham Oakley, and now they sit fourth and fifth respectively, which kind of gives you an idea of just how even this pool is. Um, so running through them, the Eastern Rangers are, of course, the undefeated team. They take on the Stingrays this week, though, so that'll be the biggest challenge they've had to date, um, and they're sitting four zip currently. Uh, you've got the Western Jets at 3-1, um, as are the Calder Cannons. So uh, the Jets have the better percentage of 152 compared to 120 of the Cannons. But both are going pretty well, considering the Cannons lost their... Well, both lost their first round matches, the Cannons to the Rangers and, and the Jets to the Devils. So they've won three on the trot. Uh, and then we look at the Sandringham Dragons, who have really slipped back a little bit. They, they were two zip and looking pretty good, and they've sort of fallen the last couple of weeks. Uh, but they're still within striking range on eight points. Uh, Oakley Chargers are the team that probably they're starting to slip away. They've played the five games compared to all the Metro rivals above them that have played four. So they've only won the two out of the five. Uh, and then Northern Knights, uh, of course, on the bottom with zero and five. So again, they're probably the team that you put a line through for this season. But um I'll, I'll get your thoughts in a moment, Michael, but just looking at that ladder, it is a very different Metro pool to what we're used to, particularly over the years. Absolutely. Um, seeing, I mean, Northern 0 and 5, when the hell has that happened in, in history? Um, and, and Oakley as well, um, only having the two wins, obviously they've been um, depleted a little bit thus far and, and not had the top-end talent that they would like. Um, so that, that's been tough for them. But obviously Eastern, you'd say, are, are probably the standout in this pool, um, given given the, the record and, and the teams that they've beaten. Um, Western and Sandringham, I'd say, are the next two. They'll be competing for that um, for that second spot. And, and Calder, credit to them, a bit like Geelong. They've just gotten the wins on the board. They've gotten the results. And, um, and that's all that matters, really, um, apart from, obviously, getting talent drafted. So, um, yeah, I think, the as you say, it's really even. And the order as it is is probably as it should be. Um, it's going to be really tough for Oakley to break in there. I'd say that Eastern and Western would, will stay as they are. Um, Sandringham third and then Calder and Oakley will battle it out and, and Northern last. So um, might not be too much change to the Metro standings there. Yeah, certainly. So uh, as we mentioned, Western are on a bit of a tear at the moment. They've won three consecutive games after dropping their first one to Tasmania uh, in the second round after they had the bye in round one. But since then, uh, they've looked pretty good. And someone who looked very good on the weekend is defender Laura Elliott, who our 
uh, I guess, special guest last week, uh, Declan Reeve, caught up with post-game. So we're now going to throw to an interview with Declan Reeve, chatting to Laura Elliott from the Western Jets. Declan Reeve here with uh, Western Jets defender Laura Elliott. First off, well played today. Thank you so much. Um, how did you feel about that? Obviously, Sandringham were in front for a good per- portion of that first half, but you just sort of run over the top of them in the second half. Yeah, well, we weren't playing our best footy in the first uh, half, and then we kind of stepped it up a bit, and we still got so much more to give. But, um, yeah, we just had more intensity, and we just changed the game. Um, myself and Michael had a joke going on because it felt like every time there was an inset mark in the back line for Western, it was you. So, um, obviously, like your positioning and your incepting has always been a strength, but it looks like this year you've sort of improved on the contested side of that marking. Is it something that you look to improve on specifically? Yeah, um, the coach, Robbie, he's um, really like been really good with that and been like known that that's the strength of my game and he's been really encouraging to like keep on making me get better ga- each game. And, um, yeah, it's just... Yeah. And you flew for almost every mark as well. So is that something that you've been aiming to do, just get more involved in the contest? Yeah, like getting more involved in the games, just make an impact. Even if I don't mark it, getting to the ground and then um, like the smaller, well, I am kind of small backman, but like a small, a smaller backman can get the ball and then kick it out and it's just easier for the team. Well, you say you're smaller. You actually seem to play a lot taller than your height. Is that something you've always had to do? Uh Recently, like I've always, I kind of been shorter when I was younger, but now I've had a bit of growth spurt. But I'm not as tall as some of the girls, but like for our team, it's not the tallest. So like, yeah, I just play the taller role, I guess. Fair enough. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey into football and how you got to the Jets. Uh, so I started playing when I was like, I started Auskick and then um, went up through local. And then I think it was under 15s. I had a really, really good coach growing up um, for a couple of years, uh, Jessie Chester. I might as well mention her. But um, yeah, she really encouraged me and then like got me involved and just got to a tryout for Jets and it just started from there. Fair enough. Do you have any particular goals for the year or the rest of the season? Uh, finals. Finals for the team. And then, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Pers- like, personally, I want to get to the next level, so hopefully that's good. But first of all, it's the team. So hopefully getting to finals and then going all the way. Yeah, sounds really good. Um, you put your best foot forward. I'm going to ask, so um, we noticed that there's some music going on in the background. We Are The Champions came on <laughs> just before. A bit premature or are we pretty happy with that oh, one? We're happy with that one. We all started dancing when it was We Are The Champions, so we've got to do that um, after a game. After. All right, thanks for the chat, Thank Laura. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Awesome. You Thank too. You so that was Western Jets' Laura Elliott talking to our very own Declan Reeve post-game after the Jets' win over the Dragons at Trevor Barker Oval. Uh, now we're going to take a look at the next round of fixtures, round six, as we enter the second half of the season. We have spoke just before the break about some of the teams that uh, I guess are going well and, and are pushing for that final spot in each of the respective pools. So we wonder what this round will bring. And, and just looking at it, there are plenty of matches that will be ladder-defining by the end of it. We're going to start off with a pretty big one, in, in my opinion, down at Westbourne Grammar at 10 a.m. That is the Western Jets, who are 3-1 for the season, taking on the Geelong Falcons 4-1. And, Michael, this is a pretty big game when it comes to, as we just sort of mentioned, the, the ladder projections. Absolutely it is. I think um, this will be a great test for the Geelong Falcons because they, they've beaten the sides that they probably should. Um, at least considering the form of each of them, um, and they're four and one. The Western Jets are pretty much pretty similar at three and one. So, um, in their respective standings, they they really need a win both of these sides. I think Western 
is the stronger team overall. Um, if they are at full strength, their midfield's unbelievable. Geelong will probably hope the likes of Ash Van Loon can get up for this game. They've obviously got Grace Purcell, who's great through the midfield. But, um, yeah, I think the Jets will be too strong in that engine room and, and will overwhelm the Falcons and not give uh, those Falcons forwards enough opportunity to, um, to cause the damage. Certainly. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I'll also go with the Jets in that one at, I guess, home. It's sort of near Williamstown there. Um, if we look on to the next game, it's up at the border at Yarrawonga. Uh, Murray Bush Rangers taking on Northern Knights at JC Low Oval. The Bush Rangers have sort of been a bit up and down. They look so good early in the season. They've sort of faltered a little bit since, but, um, you know, they haven't been belted as such. So, uh, they come up against the Knights, who are yet to win a game. They're actually 0-5. So, I mean, uh, which way are you going with this one, Michael? It's uh, your Knights, but they're travelling a fair way and not in great form. But can they get up? Uh, probably not. I think it's sort of head and heart um, where I'm going for with this one. But, um, look, Murray, I really enjoy watching as well. Uh, at 2-3, and three, they, they could well be 3-2 and two or, or better. Um, you know, with the results that they've had this season. They um, obviously at home are going to be a bit trickier to beat. So, um, yeah, I like them in this game. Northern have probably, they've been competitive for two and a half quarters most games. Um, it's just where maybe the longer quarters um, have sort of found them out and, and they've had a, a little bit of rotation with their top-end talent. Girls like Riley Wilcox didn't play last week. Brooke Plummer didn't play. Tara Delgado. So they're all important Um important players of age in that team so lacking a bit of experience and that cost them so we'll see if they can bounce back it should be a tight contest and a competitive one for a little bit but I reckon Murray um, with their class especially likes as Zali Goldsworthy and um, and Killy Skepper who we speak of every week um, they'll probably be a little too strong yeah I will also go with the Bush Rangers in that game uh, moving on to City Oval we've got two teams that are sort of dropped a few games uh, since, like the Rebels won in round one and uh, have dropped the last four, while the Chargers, after winning early, have sort of been that 1-3 since. So uh, they're up at City Oval instead of Mars, so not too far away. But, Michael, how do you sort of see this game panning out? It really depends on, I think, the top-end talent for Oakley. So obviously last week they were missing Jazzy Fleming and Charlotte Taylor, and I think... If you take out those two players again, the midfields are quite even and might even sway in the favour of GWV. You know, they've got girls like Paige Scott, Lily Condon, Talia Mayer, pretty classy um, and just reliable, consistent players as well. On Oakley's side, Charlotte Vandervelees, Lily Hart, they've had to step up. You've got a no-sixer in Maggie Marnie who's been in good form and even Georgia Livingston or, sorry, Georgia Jackson um, being thrown through there. So um, it's going to really depend on who's available for Oakley. I'm going to back them in this game, the reigning premier. I think they'll be a little too strong across the ground and, and their defence is probably um, a little sturdier. So they, um, I think they'll get their third win of the season and bounce back here. Absolutely. I think it's fair to say they lose this game and, and the finals are well and truly off the table. So a big, big game for the Chargers. Uh, I will also tip them because of that reason. So uh, moving on to the final game on Saturday, we've got the Calder Cannons up against the Bendigo Pioneers. Again, this is another big game in terms of the uh, finals projection. The Cannons are sniffing around their third and they would be ready to pounce if the Falcons can beat the Jets. Whilst by the same token, Obviously, you've got the Pioneers who are not too far off uh, the Devils who sort of have that bye this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, not far off the 
uh, Falcons as well. So they're still in with contention, but they lose this game. It's going to be tough. Uh, how do you sort of see this game going and who do you sort of tip for this one? I mean, I really like Bendigo. I think just their, their younger players, girls like Lila Keck and, uh, and Lou Painter are so exciting to watch. Then they've got the class of Octavia Di Donato through midfield and the smarts of Drew Ryan. So they're pretty deep through there. And I think they're going to really, um, they're, they're going to be very competitive against Calder's engine room. Obviously, they've got girls who are really strong around the ball. Reese Sutton has the breakaway speed, but then Kaylee Kavanagh and um, and Amy Gaylor are pretty good at ground level. So um, it'll be a good battle in there. I think Bendigo's probably a little more dynamic uh, with their mix and, and perhaps, um, yeah, it can roll forward a bit more and kick those goals. So Calder keep getting the job done, but I just like the upside of Bendigo and going to take them in this game. Yeah, so will I. Not much diversity on this podcast. Um, so that is the way we are. We'll see how we go with the last two games, though. I'm not confident that will be that <laughs> diverse either. So we'll move on to Sunday uh, and the game of the round, let's be honest. This is the game we all want to see, and I certainly will see because they moved it not far from my house. So it's Dandenong Stingrays taking on Eastern Rangers at Seaford, of course, the Linen House Centre, uh, from 11.30 a.m. They're both four and zip. They've both basically taken care of all the opposition to date. Uh, Stingrays have the the better percentage, 354 to the Rangers, 275. But that's, uh, you know, picking at hairs really there. So uh, realistically, how do you sort of see this happening? Um, I presume it's the game of the round for you as well. What are you expecting? I'm expecting a few people to be saying hello to you at your local there now that you've told them, but um, it's going to be a cracker. I mean, Dandenong coming off the bye works one of two ways. They could either be fresh and hit the ground running again, or they might be a bit slow to start. Um, And Easton's a kind of team that will punish you, basically. Uh, They've got the experience in there. Girls like Bridget Deed, obviously, who's AFL listed now, we'll see whether she actually plays. Um, Then Izzy Khoury through the middle. You can rotate Alicia Pisano and Mia Bush. Um, They're guns. And then you look at the tools from Easton, who I really think might give Dandenong a bit of trouble. So um, depending, of course, who plays for Dandenong as, as well. But Jess Vukic um, and Mia Austin are quite dynamic through there, rotating forward. Um, and I think Hose as well will, will probably get up and play in this one. So um, they, they might stretch um, Dandenong for a bit of height there. But obviously we know the class of Charlie Ryan and Amber Clark and Emily Shepard, uh, Felicity Crank, they're all running through there. Um yeah, it's going to be a great midfield battle and, and a great test of how good the Rangers are across the ground. So um, depending on, on selection, obviously, I, I know you're going to go with the Stingrays. So in the sake or for the sake of diversity, I'll tip the Rangers as the Metro guy in this podcast. I was more worried about the splinters you were getting from sitting on the fence, to be honest. Um, but we're glad we got there. I knew, no, I look, knew I made a choice. Tying. I don't know why you're so upset. <laughs> yeah, we were tying up with that one. But we'll move on to the final game of the round, which was Gippsland Power taking on the Sandringham Dragons. And in the same vein of the Oakley Chargers, if Sandringham lose this, they're probably in trouble in terms of finals. But in saying that, Gippsland just haven't really come close to a win thus far. Will it change? Not entirely sure. But, Michael, what do you think Gippsland can get out of this game? And what does Sandringham need to do to bounce back? Let's talk about sitting on the fence. Not entirely sure, he reckons. But, um, look, I think Sandringham's a bit better than their 2-2 and record suggests. Um, And Gippsland's probably better than 0-5. They give it a crack every week. We we love that. 
probably don't have the top end talent that Sandringham does, but um, they've got some exciting players who really um, they go hard and, and they like to advance the ball quickly and they're going to be tough to play against. So we'll see whether that that Metro side is able to compete with that um, and how quickly it'll take them, I guess, to overcome it. Um, Gippsland playing at Churchill again, we know that they're going to be comfortable there. They, they play there just about every week, it seems. So um, that that's always a bonus for such a young team. Um, but yeah, I, I think Sandringham's going to get the wood over them and, um, and get their third win on the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going Sandringham. So we haven't had too much there. We're looking forward to that all undefeated clash because there can only be one after unless of course they draw which would prove us wrong so i'm just including that in in that scenario but uh that pretty much wraps us up of course tasmania has the buy for those tassie fans listening in uh that's all we have time for on this latest edition of game sense michael thanks very much for joining me today no worries mate always got always got time for my fans yeah, okay, so now we're reusing content from last week. Make sure you listen back if you're wanting to know who he copied that off. Uh, of course, we'll always have our usual coverage over on central.rookiemedia.com slash AFL of all the players and teams mentioned today, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Our usual AFLW and Women's State Leagues pod will, of course, be out this week if that's what you're after, and make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Central, so you'll never miss a beat. I've been your host, Peter Williams. Thanks for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.